Apple has been on an absolute roll so far in 2023 after the highly anticipated, but really not also surprising announcement of the Vision Pro, the mixed reality device that Apple fans all over the world have been keenly anticipating for quite some time now. The stock shot up to new all-time highs. And as of this recording, Apple stock now trades for what we think is a very lofty premium, 31 times trailing 12-month earnings and about 27, 28 times next year's expected earnings per share. Suffice to say, we think a lot of the hype around Vision Pro, as well as a, a big rebound in the iPhone business and just overall gradual growth for Apple in the next year is already priced into the stock at this point. But we think there is still opportunity here in a small, little-known semiconductor stock. Before continuing, let me remind you to hit the like button and subscribe to the channel if this video is helpful as you do your own investment research and increase your knowledge of business and technology. We really appreciate the support as subscribing to the channel helps us continue putting out content like this. Let me introduce this company to you first, though, by sharing with you Apple's Vision Pro press release. Apple, in showing off the headset and specifically what those little screens inside the headset will look like, says that there will be a custom set of micro OLED or organic light emitting diode displays delivering more pixels than a 4K TV to each eye for stunning clarity. What is micro OLED? Well, if you've looked at TVs over the last few years, you've probably seen these very large, very beautiful high-end television sets. In the US, LG kind of led the way in this market. Samsung has a few OLED TV sets. Sony has entered the fray. And really a lot of TV makers now coming to market with their version of 4K, ultra high definition, OLED television sets. High level of clarity, beautiful colors, very smooth picture. They're also very energy efficient, but a high price tag. Apple, of course, sparing no expense, saw the opportunity to put this micro OLED technology into its Vision Pro headset. Various rumors out there that uh, perhaps a combination of LG and Samsung displays will be used to put into the Vision Pro. Others stating that maybe it's Sony. Much of this probably remains to be seen when the Vision Pro actually comes out in 2024. Stay tuned for that. But those are not the stocks that we're interested in here at Chipstock Investor. It's not the display manufacturers themselves, but a little company that is actually behind the scenes powering this technology in the first place for decades, and that is Universal Display, or ticker symbol OLED. But first, maybe just a quick primer on what a semiconductor is in the first place, because this whole industry really is about electricity and the manipulation of the flow of electricity. That's what it all boils down to. 
These things are the building blocks of all computing technology and to an increasing degree, other things outside of computing technology as well, like the electrification of everything, including EVs and the global power grid, uh, industrial automation and such. Chips are at the heart of it all. What a semiconductor is, it's something that lies between a conductor, that's a material that actually conducts electricity, that might be copper, and between an insulator a substance that does not conduct electricity. For example, let's say glass. For many decades, the primary substrate for this industry that creates chips is silicon. It's abundant, it is relatively cheap to procure and turn into semiconductors, and with some manufacturing tricks that have become increasingly complex over the years, Silicon's ability to conduct and insulate against electricity has become increasingly more nuanced and able to unlock a lot of really cool technology that we take for granted on a daily basis. Now I introduce this topic, what is a semiconductor, to help introduce OLED, organic light emitting diodes. So presently, by and large, most digital screen technology that you see is some sort of LCD, liquid crystal display, including LEDs. What this technology relies on is some sort of backlight. So somewhere at the back of the panel, you have a light, some sort of light source that shines through the pixels. OLED is different. The rough difference between an LCD screen and OLED, the technology that they helped pioneer. On the left, LCD, you can see the backlight unit there in the back, different sheets and films that go on top of that that diffuse the light and shine through the pixels that eventually translate into the picture that we see through the glass. By contrast, OLED is very, very thin. It is very, very lightweight. It does not require some sort of rigid panel like traditional LCD and LED screens do. And the, the reason for that is the way this technology actually works. For illustration of what this actually looks like, you have an emissive layer. Those are the actual emitters sandwiched between two conductors. And when electricity is applied and flows between those two conductors and they flow through that emissive layer, it's those little emitters themselves that emit the light. So there's no actual backlight because the actual OLED, the organic light emitting diodes, the little diodes themselves are what actually emit the light when electricity is applied. As a result of this, you have a very thin and lightweight device it's flexible. These don't need to be printed on a rigid pane. They can actually be printed on flexible plastic. That's where you get some of these foldable phones that you see uh, and some more wild applications, TVs that are able to roll up. LG has been showing these off at various tech shows over the years. But pertaining to our discussion here today is power consumption, power roadmap. You can see the traditional LCD display power usage. That's just 
very typical illustration of what an LCD screen uses in the way of energy using universal displays, full LEDs or phosphorescent OLED materials. Currently they have red and green material available. You see a big reduction in power and then blue full LEDs, which are supposed to be commercialized starting in 2024, you get an even further reduction in power consumption. Now, what does this have to do with Apple and the Vision Pro? Well, these little displays that are going to be inside of the Vision Pro are a little bit different from those big giant 4K OLED TVs that you see in the store. And in fact, Apple, Apple hinted at this, not just in the name that they chose, mini OLED technology, but also in the statement that there were actually going to be a higher number of pixels than a typical 4K OLED TV. How are they pulling that off? I'm going to share with you here uh, a great little article from Tom's Guide describing what micro OLED technology is. This is from early in 2023. So of course, prior to the Apple Vision Pro announcement, but Samsung and LG have already been talking about ramping up their manufacturing capabilities for this. But the big difference here is micro OLED takes the typical OLED display and instead prints it directly on a silicon wafer. And doing so allows the manufacturers, LG, Samsung, perhaps Sony, to fit more pixels onto these tiny little displays. It helps increase the brightness. And when you have something sitting that close to your eyes, uh, it makes for a much better viewing experience, including the LED display technologies used in Meta's Quest headsets. Micro OLED is very new, and as a result, it's even more expensive than your typical OLED TV. This probably helps in part explain why those Vision Pros are going to be selling for such a high price tag, 3,500 bucks for an Apple Vision Pro uh, versus a fraction of that cost for uh, a Meta Quest, the brand new Quest 3 that was announced before the Vision Pro something more like 500 bucks when those come out later this year. However, you're not going to get that nice ultra high definition, super pixel dense experience like you're going to get on the Vision Pro. But that could change going forward. Like all things related to manufacturing, the longer companies work on the process and are able to increase their production, the more the cost to manufacture the stuff comes down. So like anything else, micro OLED technology will probably come down in pricing over time as Apple ramps, ramps up its production of the Vision Pro. And perhaps if later on down the road, Meta and some other VR and AR headset makers start adopting more advanced display technology like OLED perhaps even adopting micro OLED technology. I believe this is the eventuality for this market. If virtual and mixed reality continues to pick up steam, like a lot of big tech companies are hoping it will someday, augmenting even how we work with some sort of headset 
or glasses rather than just staring at a monitor all day, perhaps even devices that allow us to interact with some sort of hybrid of the real world and the virtual world with an augmented reality device. I think OLED technology is the future here. The reason being, these things are very thin, which allows for the continuous shrinkage of these headsets over time. They're lightweight, big, big pain point for a lot of early users. The early headsets were just too heavy and uncomfortable to wear. And as I mentioned earlier, power consumption. Traditional display technology that is out there today just uses too much power. Even as it stands right now, OLED doesn't completely fix this. Apple's Vision Pro apparently is going to have a battery life of up to two hours. That is nothing, especially if you are relying on this device for work all day. The chances that you'll want to sit next to a power outlet with that thing plugged into the wall, uh, not very good. So the technology needs to continue to improve. Power consumption needs to continue to be driven down and better and better display technology that puts less and less strain on the battery consumption will be one key to eventually pulling this off. Is this a reason to invest in universal display? Maybe universal display has two slides that I like. First of all, the overall OLED display market potential. By and large, this market is dominated by mobile smartphones. That is the dark blue bars there. The smartphone market, as far as total revenue goes, sort of gonna flatline going forward. It's a mature market. It's The world is now well-saturated with smartphones. But a couple of areas here where there is more expected growth. So TVs, of course, when you have a bigger panel, that means more manufacturing and even more importantly, more materials, base materials like universal displays, full LEDs that need to be put into those panels. And then in green here, this is where things get interesting. IT and wearables. A number of elements boosting this particular area of growth. You can see in the second slide, really big exponential growth in panel area demand from this green section of the bar, IT and wearables. Translating again back into the first slide here and overall revenue from the OLED display market. This is at least as far as we can tell right now, and as far as universal display management has shared with us, primarily going to be the IT market. So displays for PCs and laptops. Again, most of these things presently are old LED technology, but a lot of PC and laptop and display makers making gradual transition over to OLED some sort of inflection point is expected to be reached by 2024 as a lot of these manufacturers start distributing their newest models that feature a high-end line with OLED screens. But the other segment here, wearables. This would, of course, include things like the Apple Vision Pro and the Meta Quest headsets. Remember, these little micro OLEDs that are going to be in the Vision Pro and perhaps maybe eventually down the line, some of the MetaQuest headsets are very, very small. So going back again to the second slide, 
the overall panel area demand, virtual reality and other related technologies that you wear on your face are not going to make up a very large percentage of panel area demand because these things are so small. They're just little disks that need to basically go over each eye. The value of these things, because it's more advanced technology, could be much, much higher than what is typical in a smartphone, a TV, and even in laptops and the PC market. A lot of potential here. Universal Display has a nice little segment, revenue segment, that is related to its IP, its intellectual property. Basically, it licenses out this technology to manufacturers like LG and Samsung because they have patents on all sorts of things related to OLED technology. And if a Samsung or an LG wants to manufacture this stuff, well, they have to pay Universal Display to do it. In addition to that, you have this addition of the blue FOLED getting added into the ingredients list that will essentially be a 50% increase in the materials Universal Display is able to sell. Of course, the biggest impact to that will be smartphones and TVs, but we probably shouldn't sleep on the potential from this IT and wearables segment. Showing you my ticker terminal here, like all things related to the smartphone market, Universal Display's revenues expected to fall slightly in 2023. The company actually doing a pretty solid job of managing the downturn in the smartphone industry this year. Only an expected roughly 7% decline in revenue in calendar year 2023. But given all of the numerous growth initiatives that could kick in starting in 2024, the general consensus is Universal Display's revenue is really going to take off next year. Again, uh, yeah, a rebound in the smartphone market would be great, but more TVs, more PCs and laptops, and maybe, if it's a hit, the Apple Vision Pro. More important than just the revenue growth, of course, is the change in earnings per share. Uh, you can see a fairly dramatic expected increase in normalized earnings per share expected in 2024, upwards of 30% increase, big jump in free cash flow as well. And what's great about Universal Display, this is a very small business, but the company now has a pretty well-established track record of paying dividends. It's been doing so for the better part of the last decade when it initiated its first dividend, growing from about three cents per quarter until today, about 34 cents per quarter. Not the highest dividend yield out there, but dividend growth stories like this one are fantastic, especially if this is a stock that you plan to just buy and then sit on for the indefinite future. Uh, your initial purchase and a very small dividend yield can really rack up to some really healthy personal cash flows into your portfolio over the course of many years. So currently the stock only doling out about 1% in annualized dividend yield, but Universal Display consistently increasing that payout every single year. Those dividend payments can really compound over time. Is the stock a fair value now? I am just going to reverse engineer this real quick for you to figure out what the market 
is anticipating over the next few years. And then we as investors can decide if that is a reasonable general market consensus or not. As of this recording, Universal Display is trading for about 33 times trailing 12-month earnings per share. It's generated $4.18 in earnings per share over the last 12 months. Using that as a starting point, currently, as I record this, shares trading for $139, bucks per share. How do we get to that being a fair value estimate? And with $4.18, I have 25% average earnings growth for the next three years before leveling off to 6%. Thereafter, discount rate of 11% gets us to about $140. That would be what the market considers to be fair value, making those assumptions. So is that reasonable? On average, 25% earnings growth over the next three years, and then leveling off to 6% thereafter, could be a reasonable expectation indeed, especially if we consider most of the IT market out there does not make use of OLED. And if you think the virtual and mixed reality market is really just going to start cooking here with the introduction of the Vision Pro, Universal Display could be a great dividend growth story for the long term. We've been a shareholder for a number of years. It looked like earlier in 2023 was a fantastic buying opportunity. The last time we did an update on this company, I thought shares would maybe kind of get pulled back down to closer to 110, 120 bucks per share. That hasn't happened yet. It looks like the market has some lofty expectations for universal display in 2024. And that is sort of acting as a bit of a buoy for the stock price and keeping it from falling too much. Do your due diligence here. This is a really interesting company in the semiconductor space, a specialist that doesn't really have any direct competitors, at least none that are available to invest in on the publicly traded markets. It owns some, some key patents that it earns uh, very healthy royalty revenue off of, and then of course, the introduction of those new materials could be a really, really strong growth catalyst for the company in 2024 and beyond. If you're worried about the valuation being a bit on the high side, which uh, I'll include myself in that group, I think this thing could be maybe slightly on the high side of fair value at the moment. If this is a company that after doing your due diligence on, you're interested in owning for the long term, I think this is a prime dollar cost average candidate. Perhaps fire up something on a monthly or quarterly basis and build up to a larger position over the course of a year or two. Now, the thing to keep in mind here too with a company like Universal Display, it is going to be very volatile. It is a manufacturing-based business. And so there are always going to be periods where there is increased demand, elevated demand, especially from the consumer electronics industry followed by periods where consumer electronic demand falls off a cliff and that will trickle down to universal display. But this company has an absolute fortress balance sheet, no debt, highly profitable, even in tough times. So we think this business is built to last. Give it some serious consideration. Let us know what you think as well in the comments below and if you have any questions. We have some bonus coverage here for you. I went outside, got a little bit of sun, came back, 
and received news that DigitalOcean just made a big AI acquisition. Now, if you're not sure who DigitalOcean is, link to the last video we did on that company. But in a nutshell, this is a very small cloud infrastructure company that caters to small businesses and startups. Now, if you follow along with Casey and I on Twitter, maybe you noticed after we did that last video and did some earnings coverage on DigitalOcean, I mentioned something about the company possibly adding GPUs to its infrastructure at some point in the future. GPUs, of course, graphics processing units, uh, the stuff that NVIDIA designs and the bedrock of modern generative AI systems. I say that because I had the chance to talk to CEO Yancey Spruill a couple times last year, and I asked him about GPUs, and the simple response was, yes, maybe at some point DigitalOcean will add this hardware and maybe some support for AI at some point in the future. Well, that time has now arrived, and I think DigitalOcean did this in a surprising manner, but in a manner that... I, I really like. So the news was that DigitalOcean acquired a small startup called Paperspace for $111 million. This deal is done and dusted. Paperspace is part of DigitalOcean. Interestingly though, in the press release on this, DO said that Paperspace will have minimal impact on revenue for 2023. This will be something that really starts to have an impact on revenue starting in 2024. Given all the hype around AI right now, why in the world would Paperspace be basically a meaningless revenue contributor right now for DO? Well, like I said, this is a startup. Paperspace caters to other AI startups, specifically companies that are tinkering with training AI, maybe implementing AI, uh, figuring out how to implement AI into other services, uh, tinkering with the inference that's after AI has already been trained and now it's been deployed. So basically a user, uh, let's say it's a generative AI model, a user sends a text query to the model and it comes back with a response or maybe uh, a description of an image and the AI model goes out and creates an image, something like that. So we don't know how many customers paper space has, but these are probably largely brand new customers for DigitalOcean, since DigitalOcean tends to cater to much more simple use cases with its current cloud infrastructure. Think things like uh, web design and hosting, maybe some video streaming. So Paperspace is very small. They have three data center locations, California, one in New York, one in the Netherlands, and Mind you, these are not Paperspace's own, wholly owned data centers. These are probably co-location deals signed with a company like Equinix. Basically, what that means is they go to a data center real estate owner like Equinix and they rent space within that data center where they can install their servers, their machines that actually run the software. So you can see this map here of where those locations are. They are expanding, but given that Paperspace's revenue is not going to have much impact on DigitalOcean's likewise also small revenue base, roughly 700 to 720 million 
in sales expected for 2023 indicates that this is probably one of those startups that got hit very, very hard by the bear market last year. And so DigitalOcean, I think, basically came in here and bought this company, not for that new customer base, but saw an opportunity to buy a bunch of hardware, used hardware on the cheap. I'm now showing you a basic rundown of Paperspace's machines, the data center-based uh, computers that are available for rent. Of course, they have CPUs, uh, like you need in any computing system, uh, GPUs or uh, multi-GPUs. Uh, you can see the, uh, the rental price per hour for the CPUs and then here for the GPUs. Uh, and you can see this thing really runs the gamut from, uh, you know, basically the P4000, which is a GPU that came out in 2017, uh, kind of touted for uh, virtual reality environments, basically rendering um, very high-end graphics, all the way down to the A100, the most advanced machines that Paperspace has. The A100, of course, being the predecessor for the current H100. That is now the flagship machine NVIDIA has for training those very large language models, those generative AI services like ChatGPT. So this is not the highest end equipment that DigitalOcean got its hands on, but there is still certainly merits to this acquisition because there is an absolute shortage of data center GPUs right now because of the frenzy that has been set off by ChatGPT and Microsoft investing in OpenAI, uh, Microsoft, Google Cloud, AWS, Amazon AWS, Oracle Cloud, you name it, all sorts of these big tech companies scrambling to get their hands on these NVIDIA GPUs to try to keep pace with each other and what they can offer their cloud customers and market to potential new customers. And so that has resulted in uh, basically uh, lack of GPUs for the data center for everyone else, uh, strained capacity, supposedly at companies like TSMC manufacturing these GPUs for NVIDIA. And so for a small company like DigitalOcean with limited resources, going out and buying some older, slightly used GPUs uh, from a company that is probably struggling right now, I think makes a lot of sense. And I think this will have a great return on investment in the years ahead as AI kind of slowly, I should say newer AI services start to proliferate throughout the rest of the economy, maybe trickles down into smaller businesses as well. And so I like DigitalOcean going out and buying this pre-built infrastructure that already exists rather than trying to build new. I do believe there is some risk with this. Uh, now, I'm now showing you the cash and short-term investments, basically working capital that DigitalOcean has available to it. And you can see the company actually kind of remained fairly aggressive throughout the bear market last year. You can see uh, their working capital reducing quite a bit throughout 2022. And as of the end of March 2023, was down to just shy of $613 million. And meanwhile, uh, debt, uh, because they took out some debt to fund 
some of their expansion, um, over 1.6 billion at this point. Total liabilities uh, a bit higher than that. So not exactly the cleanest balance sheet that we'd look for in a small company like this. Uh, much more debt than cash. However, what I do like is the company's aggressiveness at the right time uh, in the midst of a bear market when a lot of weaker companies getting shaken out and the company, of course, buying back shares uh, and returning excess cash to shareholders. You can see buybacks ramping up again here in the first quarter of 2023 as DigitalOcean Management puts its free cash flow to work here. Last chart here, you can see the light blue free cash flow here. The company well on its way to generating 20% and higher free cash flow profit margins. That's the biggest risk, we think, with DigitalOcean making this $111 million acquisition. But uh, we believe it will pay off in the coming years as some of the current AI hype kind of moderates a bit into reality, we think Dio making a nice acquisition here to get itself into the game and basically keep up with the times and launch a bunch of new use cases for its platform for small businesses. This is uh, personally one of our favorite small cap or uh, if you want to call it a mid cap uh, stock. We say this is a small cap stock, though, when you're looking at a $4 billion valuation amidst companies like Amazon, Microsoft, Google, and such. Uh, this is an itty-bitty, tiny company. And if they continue to execute well, could have a ton of runway ahead of them. So we like DigitalOcean. We like the paper space acquisition. Thanks all for watching this update on Universal Display and Micro OLED and Digital Ocean's entry into the AI market. Again, uh, if you haven't watched the last video on Digital Ocean, check that out, It'll give you a better understanding of the cloud infrastructure space as it stands right now. We've got more stuff coming up for you this week. We had to put a pause on our NVIDIA interview, but that is coming this week. We've got more company updates, including on Air Test Systems. They report fourth quarter earnings on Thursday. Make sure you hit the subscribe button, hit the bell so you don't miss a video, and our updates as well on our community board. Link below if you would like to help fund our craft beer and coffee fund. Link to Kofi below. Thanks all. Casey and I will see you again here real soon.